1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, and I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I hope you're ready to learn something, do something, and be a part of something, because here on this program, we are done with the status quo in healthcare. We're here to finally start making healthcare about consumers and innovation. We call it Marketing Forward. If you want to be a part of it, then this is the place for you. We're going to help you find your place in this new movement, and you are going to be one of the ones shifting the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. I can't wait for you to be a part of this, this Marketing Forward movement. Now, you've probably heard me talking a lot about the Shift.Health content network, not only because it's brand new, but because in these times when we aren't getting the opportunity to see each other in person, one of the only ways to grow professionally is to watch a video series or listen to a podcast. That's why I launched Shift.Health. It's a content network of podcasts and video series for anyone who wants to shift the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So go check it out at Shift.Health. So here's what's going to go down today. We'll kick things off with the flavor of the Week about the new age of marketing innovation. Then we've got Brian Cush in the house to talk about how the internet sees you as an expert. It's another episode packed full of insights and tips. So are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the
0: Week.
1: Pay attention because this is the dawn of a new age of marketing ideas. I've been finding several silver linings in the pandemic recently and one that's starting to become very clear is that this is becoming a new age of marketing innovation. I guarantee you the ideas that will fuel the next decade of marketing success are being generated right now in the middle of the pandemic. For instance, we're exploring whether we have to advertise as much. We're talking about how the experience really is the brand, so the end-to-end experience matters more and logos matter less. As an industry, we're talking more about how getting better at optimizing our current channels isn't enough. We have to go upstream to the business models that we're driving customers to. We have to collaborate more and silo less. We have to drive the discussion with strategic planning, business development, sales, IT, clinical leadership, and other departments that historically haven't seen the need to invite marketing to the table. In fact, marketing is starting to create its own table and we're seeing movement as a result. Six to 12 months from now, marketing is going to be seen widely as more than just managing advertising or producing pretty things or wordsmithing. We will be seen as the ultimate voice of the consumer, and other departments will finally be asking us how to make healthcare about consumers and innovation. It would be so easy to go back to the old ways of doing things, leaning heavily on advertising, spam, clickbait, and trying to convince people they need things that they don't really need. Those things are familiar. They're a known quantity. They used to work. I get it, believe me, I've been there. But what if better ways were around the corner and you're ignoring them because you're not willing to explore? Has the pandemic not taught you anything? So where do you start, you ask? Well, how much do you know about the retail health models that are poised to take away some of your primary care revenue base or direct primary care and concierge practices? Or why, although a lot more patients have had a telehealth visit, do a majority feel meh about the experience? And what can you do about it? If you need a starting point, seriously message me and I'll give you a dozen more. But the time to wait for others to clear the path is long gone. It's time to create our own paths. This is the time to listen to new ideas and create some of our own. It's an open invitation. What do you have to lose? And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, listeners, check this out. I've got Brian Cush in the house. Brian's the co-founder and CEO at Tidal Health Group. And he's got a lot to say about how the internet sees you as an expert and if not, what to do about it. And I can't wait to dive into this with him. Brian, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be on and this is a fun topic to talk about. Yeah, you know what's
1: going to happen when when
2: two of us get
1: really uh, nerded out about the stuff that we have a passion for and and we do for a living about digital marketing and how healthcare really has some new opportunities now to do the things they've done, but to do it in a way that garners trust and expertise even more. You know, can't wait to see where we go with this thing. But before we dive into that, tell us a little bit more about yourself and kind of where you came from, and, and tell us about Title Health Group.
2: Yeah, I'm a New York native here, and I started Title Health Group about ten years with my partner, uh, also Brian. And we uh, love to confuse people and just collectively call ourselves the Brian's. We're a full-service outsourced marketing agency that exclusively works in healthcare. We really specialize in understanding the patient's journey to making healthcare decisions online. Our team supports kind of all those digital interactions underneath, but it's always through the lens of healthcare.
1: And I've started to ask this question a little bit more. But what brought you in healthcare? Was it intentional? Was it just kind of how things happened? And what's kept you in healthcare?
2: It definitely wasn't intentional. And it's funny, we uh, reference this a lot, but we were a marketing company just by definition 15 years ago. But one of the impetus that drove us into healthcare was actually my mother's sickness. She was misdiagnosed with Lyme disease for probably 8 or 10 years. And this the difficulty of finding a specialist and really finding proper information online was something we struggled with, obviously, personally. We went into the space even further with the clients we had in there uh, and just really started to segment and put an expertise label on them separating from the crowd online. And 10 years ago, we flipped the switch and became specialists in healthcare. Wow.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. And that kind of story is really what drives... I'm finding that more and more often that there's a story like that behind a lot of us in our field. And and that is what keeps us in healthcare. And so thank you for sharing that. It's always great to hear kind of where, why we are where we are, and whether it's a combination of lots of different things. I'm finding we are in such a unique industry that it's great to hear those kinds of stories.
2: Yeah, and no, I appreciate that. And it's even how we walked into kind of what we're calling our moonshot idea of trying to connect more people with proper healthcare than anyone else. And we use proper, very intently, that not just connect with healthcare, but qualify that it's the proper healthcare. Perfect. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that's
1: kind of the, the, the seed, the start of our conversation in the rap battle today. So let's dive into that. Rap battle! rap battle is where we challenge the status quo in healthcare, especially when it comes to marketing and digital engagement. And where we really want to go today is talking about whether the internet sees you as an expert, right? being seen as qualified to talk on health and medical topics. And that's something that I don't know, a whole lot of people ask themselves. They just would see all the activity that was going on in their digital marketing efforts. And they'd they'd feel like, yeah, that was working. And you could look at the, the numbers, you could look at the metrics and say, yeah, I'm sure this is working. Where it's not as easy to tell whether the internet sees you as an expert. I feel like these days, it's ultimately important to build trust with all of our digital tactics, we can't just say, hey, we're going to put these things out there and not worry about whether we're building trust with that. In today's environment, there, there's more fake health news than ever. There are those who are actively trying to combat that. And then there are those who, who just don't know what to do about it. So at the heart of all of that is being seen as an expert. So, Brian, tell us about that. Where, What do health systems and hospitals and practices, what do they need to know about being seen as an expert, and what are some common mistakes you see happening?
2: Yeah, I think a a good way to reference that question is there really is a qualitative approach or a quantitative approach to that qualitative question, where are you an expert isn't just a black and white answer. I think a really interesting way to start that is there's a study out from 2012, I think it was, from Google in their Thinkwith division, which is just a giant white paper division, that attempted to categorize a hundred billion healthcare searches online. What they distilled from that was actually four core categories. The two the smallest were branded for treatments and procedures. So you think about a hospital's name or a facility's name, a doctor's name, and fundamentally people don't search for healthcare because they don't know who does what they need or what it's called that they need from the treatment standpoint. And we find a lot of our clients at the start or just the industry at large kind of plays in that smaller field or just leading with the medical terminology that they know where those larger categories, roughly 80% of the searches fall in what's labeled either condition, disease, or symptoms, which really is just the layman terminology that we as the general public use to try and describe what we're looking up through a healthcare lens.
1: Let's go there even more. I know one topic you love to talk about is the concept of, of EAT, of EAT, expertise, authority, and trust. So this really dives into those tried and true Google quality raters, the guidelines that, that Google provides. Tell us about that. Kind of How is that related? And let's dive into this part even more. What common mistakes do you see when it comes to these concepts?
2: Yeah, I think a good segue from that is that's really how we approach our philosophy is There are a lot more people that know what you do than who you are. So our job is to take that expertise and associate it to the conditions and symptoms that you do online. And through that lens, the Google Quality Rater's Guideline is literally a 180-page manifesto that Google gives to their internal team trying to put a process and quantify how they want people to look at content there's sections of that specifically that speak to what they consider YMYL which is your money or your life so content that either could have an effect on the user's money or the effect on the user's health and one of the kind of core acronyms underneath that that you reference is E which is expertise authority and trust what are the signals and what are the items that we can look for that ultimately indicate that this is a source of quality, that this is a source of expertise. Any
1: examples come to mind there that have changed recently? Or has COVID-19, has the pandemic changed this much at all?
2: Yeah, I think not that's changed. I think it just highlighted even further that there's this call and struggle for... And this is certainly not exclusive to Google. just the internet at large to qualify healthcare content. There's some very technical and then some very operational... You're, Philosophical approach, but the Google Quality Raters Guideline gives a baseline on some very aesthetic things, but then watering it down to giving examples of companies and hospitals that they've partnered with. There's a we have an article on our website around a shift shift in healthcare search that lists out really what we call kind of like the patient zero of healthcare content. Google has come out and explicitly said. Whenever you do a search and you'll see kind of those medical panel knowledge on the right hand side, they list the, the companies that they're either partnering with or pulling that content from. So we always look at an approach the closer you can get your website, either from a literal link standpoint or a content or quality standpoint to those patient zero sites, the better you are and closer you are to getting seen as an authority. Gotcha. Now, patients
1: don't necessarily search. In the same way, they don't necessarily see expertise and authority the same way Google does, right? So there's a psychology about how patients search for things. Tell us about that. You mentioned about how the majority of searches happen for symptoms or conditions rather than a place. Is that still the case? What do we need to really understand about how patients search?
2: Yeah, I think it certainly still is the case and only growing Further, I mean, the concept of something like ninety plus percent of searches are new. So, as disease states evolve and become more complex, people are only just searching more in that layman category. And I think healthcare, in kind of at large, was always a little bit more of a pull system in the sense that they weren't talking both directions. So, what we really sit down with and preach is that. There's this very complex medical taxonomy, whether it's the language, the billing codes, or whatever it is that is very quantitative, but how people search is very different in the literal terms. So you think you and I, when I have a problem, I'm not qualified enough to diagnose it and know what it is from a medical standpoint. I'm searching the things that I'm suffering from. I'm searching the pains that I'm having, the things that I'm feeling, or the quality of life that this condition is stopping me from doing. And we have to meet people in the middle and then walk them through that maybe this is something that you should come in for or draw ideas or thoughts towards to then connect them ultimately to who that provider or facility would be to support that.
3: Hey there, listeners. If you're all about listening to your website visitors to learn more about how to improve your website experience, then g is for you. g is a suite of digital improvement tools that capture the voice of the digital customer. Hi, I'm Rob Klein, co-founder of g and founder and CEO of Klein & Partners, a market research and brand consulting firm dedicated to helping hospitals and health systems find their brand voice. I co-developed this service offering with the team at Greystone.net several years ago. G-Site helps you prioritize and focus your website improvement and enhancement efforts. It's a suite of solutions including a pop-up website experience survey tool, a user-friendly dashboard and reporting tool, a user behavior tracking tool, expert consulting services, and more. What if I told you that 8% of your visitors have a new negative opinion of your brand after visiting your website? Now multiply that number by the total number of annual visitors. Does that number scare you? If so, go to www.graystone.net forward slash gsite to learn more about how we can help and sign up for an introductory overview. Hope to speak with you soon.
1: I've seen an evolution of this concept, because you're right. You know, this understanding the baseline of how patients search is so key to to organic search results. And when we look at how things have evolved, what I am seeing is just the the need for being seen as an expert and the need to be trusted. It's been magnified a thousand percent in my mind since the beginning of the year. We see debates in the public health realm right now about what seem like pretty basic objective data measurements, you know, data points and people can't even agree on that. So, who's to say that by just putting out content like we used to that people are going to naturally trust it and see it as you being the expert? It just seems like that that's even tougher these days. And so it just t- it takes even more work to understand how both to help Google see it and how to help patients see it. I don't know if you've seen much of an evolution of that this year with your clients or if you know if, if things have are pretty much the same as they've always been, but I'm curious about that, about whether whether anything has changed as far as how patients search because of how little people tend to trust any content anymore.
2: Yeah, we've seen a couple of evolutions, and at least in our microcosm of the world, our organic traffic has been going up because we've been doing... This for a decade and do a lot of technical things on how we code and how we qualify our client sites. They're just further being trusted, kind of in the digital realm. That's just a broad stroke and kind of the, the carve out of the healthcare marketing world that we're in. But that's kind of a, a call to arms at large to anyone, whether you're internal or external in this space. We need to constantly be pushing back and representing the expertise that we have.
1: Agreed. I've seen, and I'm thinking back to some conversations I've had over the years, including some this year, about how a health system decides whether or not they're going to try to compete with with those nationally ranked health systems that have created a lot of their own health content. Right? So their subject matter experts, their medical authorities, creating blog posts and, and videos and other content the Cleveland clinics of the world, the Johns Hopkins of the world, the Mayo clinics of the world, who have their own library of thousands of articles that are medically written by their experts. And I don't think many people would doubt the expertise of those well-known institutions. It's the choosing whether or not to compete with that You know, when you're a, a mid-sized provider, when you're a private practice, when you're somebody who doesn't have that built into their staff Agreements. There are institutions that it's required of clinicians to publish every so often on their own blog and so forth. And so I remember those conversations pretty clearly about, hey, should we even try to compete with that? In other words, should we as a health system try to create any of our own content? Isn't Google just going to pull up the WebMD and the Mayo and the Cleveland Clinic stuff? Are they even going to get to us and see us on page one of, of their search results? And over the years, I feel like that answer has changed. It used to be absolutely, you know, still it's still worth it. I'm seeing fewer providers, for better or worse, choosing to even compete with that. And I don't know if being seen as an expert just compounds the problem. In other words, if I'm a health system and I'm trying to decide whether we're going to really put forth an effort to really drive a lot of traffic because our our clinicians are starting to author more content and use that effectively, then I would think the conversation would be evolving this year to being asked, well, okay, if we do all that, we still don't know if people are going to trust it. You know, it was one thing to get an institution to be able to say, yeah, okay, we are going to compete with that. We do feel like we have our own regional take on things and it's worth, you know, people want to hear from our experts. So we're going to put our our experts out there and have their content out there. And that's what's going to drive things for us. That's what's going to drive our web traffic. And so... It feels like the question of expertise and trust has just compounded everything. And so, you know, I felt like there's been some momentum of institutions that have chosen to compete and put out the content because to me, that's always the best thing. Put out your own content, have your experts out there, you know, show that local flavor, uh, explain things in your terms, get people to understand that this expertise is coming from, from your staff at your institution, it's always just been kind of a no-brainer to me. And so when an institution has come and said, I don't know if we can compete with that, it's been a challenge. And so for those institutions who are still trying to decide whether they want to put content out there from their own medical experts, what would you tell them in terms of the importance of, of being seen as an
2: expert? I think the answer is unequivocally still yes. Uh, And I can give some pointed examples as those organizations you reference like Mayo Clinic and Cleveland Clinic or some of the kind of patient zero organizations that Google does reference. But the big push, and you referenced as well is local. I may search for something and just want information. But if I'm kind of down that decision path and I'm looking for a care provider, there's so many signals that may not be just in your actual search term of where you're based. The Cleveland Clinic and Mayo Clinic don't exist everywhere physically. So if I'm looking up for something and it's I have a pain and I just want information, yeah, I might come across Cleveland Clinic or Mayo, but I've I have a pain and I qualify that with Manhattan or Upper East Side just because of where we're based, they're looking then obviously for a provider in that location. There are institutions here, but even underneath that, you kind of have to start to get into the consumer psychology of all this, that people have choice. People have choice around the insurance coverage, people have choice around the qualitative things of the experience of that healthcare as well. And you're seeing reimbursements even start to get dictated around those qualitative things. So on that level, those smaller providers should really think about what are the things that we can distinguish that us from those institutions and actually use that as a selling point. And I say that explicitly is it's almost like conscious marketing, that maybe it's hard to, to compete on a pure organic level, but this methodology is not exclusive to just Google organic. It's every platform, it's every paid ad platform, it's every social platform, it's podcasting. You just have to find kind of that area of where your niche community and customer base is. For sure.
1: For sure. I'm glad you went there too because it's it makes it feel like more of a responsibility and it helps connect all of these efforts together to understand it the way you just described. So thank you for that. As we start to wrap up here, i wonder if there's anything else we haven't mentioned, anything else that any final message you'd like to share with, with our listeners about just the state of the world right now, about uh, their efforts to be seen as an expert, to develop that trust, uh, and to ultimately help connect them with, with patients and their caregivers. Any final words of advice?
2: Yeah, I think it's a, it really is a call to arms for people that are physically experts. And this is a common conversation we have when we sit down with... Even if it's a a seminar or a client or a conversation of, you may have all these physical things you're doing. If it's research, publications, outcomes, data, and you are an expert physically, but is that reflected digitally? And a lot of times the answer is no, but there is a path to represent and doing that work. So to constantly take an objective thought on are my efforts physically matching my efforts digitally?
1: Awesome. Well, Brian, this has been a pleasure. It really has. I'm glad to go here with you and to really peel back some of the layers to really help digest some of the evolutions that have taken place uh, in this area. So before we go, how can listeners connect with you if they want to hear more from you?
2: Yeah, I think the two easiest is either our our company website is titlehealthgroup.com, which has a lot of more pointed uh, information and points to a lot of the documentation that you and I describe. Uh, and then me personally, I think LinkedIn is the best and it's just Brian with a Y, Cush, C-U-S-H. People can email and send me messages there. I'm really responsive through that platform.
1: Perfect. Well, Brian, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes today. Stay safe, stay well, and keep up all the great work you're doing to connect patients with care.
2: You as well, Jared. It was really a pleasure.
0: I need a
1: So if your content, your special event, or your strategy is getting stale, let us help you give it that spark, that rhythm, that new life you're looking for. Ultera Digital, marketing forward. Okay, now back to the podcast, right? Because it's pretty legit. Hey, thanks to Brian and... Thank you for listening. Don't forget to be part of the Marketing Forward movement. This is an open invitation. Subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the brand new Shift.Health content network. Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's podcasts and video series about shifting the way that healthcare is marketed and experienced. So on behalf of Brian and myself, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.